But you know, we're, more and more of us are going to be going out. More and more of us are going to be being used in the marketplace, in our workplaces, because that's what God wants to do. He wants to use you. It's not a thing of you've got to reach this certain level before he uses you. It's actually that we just need to accept, ah, oh, he wants to use us. You know, he's going to use me. He, he wants me to impact this world around me. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Now, Justin, you had a testimony. I'm going to call you up for it in a minute. So uh, I'm going to incorporate it in. But uh, we're going to get started before I, I ask him to come up and share that testimony. So we've been talking about there being hope in a glorious church and the fact that we are meant to be a glorious church. The last couple of weeks when I've spoke on this, I've talked, I've got into eschatology with it. I'm not going to today. I want to talk to us about here and now. But it's where, again, our view of where we're going is so important. Because where we're going is going from glory to glory and we're operating from that victory uh, that Jesus has won for us already. He's already victorious. It's amazing. Shamla uh, had looked at the scoreboard and t- commented on that. I looked at it this morning and the exact same thing she said was the exact same thing I'm thinking. There's this scoreboard and it's saying home team one, the other team zero. And that's the reality for us as Christians. There's only one victory. It's already been won. It's never getting unwon. The game's over. The game's over. Jesus already has won. He's already won. Yeah. That truth needs to permeate every way we see the world around us. How we experience life must come from a place of Jesus already has victory. Jesus already has the victory. And by us being adopted into God's family, by us surrendering to Jesus, by him being our king, our life already has that victory as well. We know where we're going. You know, we know we live not for this king, for the, the world, but for his kingdom. We live for him. And he already has won. And that that framing, everything we see and everything we do, man, that's freedom. That's real freedom. Now, this principle that we're speaking on this morning is that we're not looking to escape the world, but to see Christ's victory manifest in individuals and nations, even in the face of resistance and conflict. We're going to look, go through a survey of some different scriptures this morning just to reinforce this principle. But I want you to understand that from the kingdom's perspective, you are already victorious. Not because of you, not because of your effort, not because of what you've done, but because of Jesus. And our journey here is one of surrender to the one who already has victory. The we don't need to re-win the battle that Jesus already won. Right? We're not trying. We're not trying to defeat the enemy. We're not trying to, we're not trying to be re-crucified. You know, we're not trying to eliminate sin. Jesus has already done all of these things. Our job is to come under that authority. He's the king. We're not. But we are brothers and sisters of Christ 
He's this amazing king who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he invites us into this amazing relationship with him where we get to walk in the reality of the victory that he's already won. Now, the world doesn't know him. They don't believe in him. As we've talked about, you know, a few months ago, 97% of people in Canada do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They, they don't know him that way. 97% of the people. So 97% of the people you encounter aren't walking with the one who has victory. And the reality is they resist it. So Jesus also told us, even though he has victory in this world, we'll experience trouble. And we're going to look at some of these scriptures today. So we can't become disheartened. We can't become confused when we experience resistance from those that don't know him. When we experience even persecution, when we experience um, difficulty, when we experience rejection or hatred from those that don't know Jesus. Because they don't know him. They have no concept of this victory. And in their minds, he isn't the king and he hasn't won any victory. Because they're still living for a completely different kingdom than the one that we live for. Our responsibility is to live for him and be that light to the world where people go, there is something radically different about you. And actually, if they have any heart towards God, they're going to be, I want that. I want that. And so our lives become a living testimony to who Jesus is and what he's done. So here in John 17, verses 15 to 19, it says, my prayer, now we set this up. This is Jesus the night before he, he's about to be crucified. He's about to be arrested, about to be tortured, about to be crucified. And he's gathered with his disciples and he's praying this for them. And he prays a number of things. We're just looking at a little section of this prayer. But he says, in talking about his disciples, he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus went through what he went through so that we would be truly sanctified. Sanctified means being holy, being set apart, it, but being approved. You've been made holy, been set apart, approved by what Jesus did. But he didn't, his, his thing wasn't, okay, now that you have become my followers, you know, I want you to be removed from the world. Just go to heaven. That's it. Is it no, that we would be this light to the world, that we would be in the world. But it's also his prayer there, protect them from the evil one. You know, it's the same in the Lord's prayer that he, that he prayed when he taught his disciples to pray. And so we have this king that's gone before us, who's already won victory. We'll read those scriptures in a minute. That all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. That's who we follow. That's who we're surrendered to. 
That's the one. That's the God. The God that would do what we can't do. Who would sanctify himself so that we would be truly sanctified. That would go through death on the cross. That would go through, that would do what we couldn't do. To pay the price for sin that we could never pay. So that sin would not have a hold on us any longer. In Luke 10, 2-3, Jesus is about to send these disciples out. And he's actually sending 72 out. And as he sends them out, he tells them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That's that's a reality. I mean, he was sending them out to the Jewish people. He was sending them out to his own chosen people. And he's still describing it as, I'm sending out my disciples as lambs among wolves. For us today, that's the reality. We are being sent out into our workplaces, into our schools, into our neighborhoods as lambs among wolves. We're going out there, though, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords backing us, with us. Will they, at times, not understand? Will they, at times, disagree? Will they, at times, oppose? Will they make fun of? Will they, will they ridicule? Some will. Some will. But some are going to make, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to make know more about Jesus. You know the amazing thing? The apostles, those that he sent out, they experienced the exact same thing. Jesus experienced the exact same thing. If, if people wouldn't receive Jesus, why are we surprised when people won't receive us and the message, right? That's, that's a reality. They wouldn't receive him. So we can't expect a different result. You know, we can't expect, Jesus even says that. It's like, hey, if if they don't like the master, they're not going to like his followers either. Right? And so this isn't about us being offensive, though. It's actually, this is where the things that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount are so important. Because, like, if people are your enemies, love them anyway. You know, people persecute you, bless them. So our response to the world around us cannot be that we respond to those that reject us in the same way. We don't go, oh, well, you know, is not to condemn or things along those lines. We are there to be the light. We're there to bring truth. We're there to, to speak. Now, that said, you see in Acts 13, for example, that Paul, he goes out with Barnabas, and they go, and they go to the, they go to the Jewish people, and they, they go to a synagogue in a, in a city, and they bring the message of the gospel, and some of the people are interested, but, but ultimately they reject them in the synagogue. They ultimately reject them. They reject Jesus. They reject the message about Jesus. And so they say to them, listen, we had to come to you first, but since you're rejecting us, that's fine. We're going to go to the Gentiles because that's who God told us to go to. But to honor you, we came to you first. And they went to the Gentiles and people were receiving Jesus. They started preaching the message in that city. People are receiving Jesus. They're coming to know Jesus. And But the people from the synagogue are getting jealous and they're stirring up anger and hatred towards them. And ultimately, they get kicked out of the city. They get kicked out of the city. Is that because Jesus didn't have victory? Because Jesus 
you know, wasn't really the king of kings? No. And it didn't stop. Paul and Barnabas didn't go, oh my goodness, Jesus, God, where are you? Why aren't you, why aren't you here? Why aren't you stopping this from happening? Why isn't everyone loving us? They just, okay. They moved on. They kept doing what it is that God had called them to do, being who it was that God had called them to be, preaching the message of the gospel so that some may be saved. Our job is not to save the entire world. We are not even capable of saving one person. Grasp that? We, we can't, you cannot save anyone. You cannot force anyone into a relationship with Jesus. You can't make anyone do anything. You can present truth. You can be a light. You can allow your life to be surrendered to Jesus so that it reflects to those around you a testimony of who Jesus is, that your words and your actions line up, that you back up your testimony of, with who you are, that you're not afraid to be sharing the truth. Does that mean you're perfect? Absolutely not. You know, I, I do believe, though, I, 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 listen, I want to get as surrendered to Jesus as possible in this life. I want sin to have as little hold on me as possible in this life. And so every day I take step by step by step in that journey of surrender to Jesus so that today I'm a little better off than I was yesterday. And if I trip and fall in any area, I get back up and like, Lord, thank you that your blood washes me clean and I keep going. I keep moving forward and shake off the things that would try to hinder and hold us back. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus says, this is after he's died, he's rose, risen from the dead, he's back, he's appearing to his disciples, and he says to them, it says here in verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now did Jesus say some authority has been given to me? No, right? What authority has been given to him? How much authority? Really? How much was that? Right? All. Yeah. All. And so, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. All authority. So when people oppose you, when the enemy, when we see wars and rumors of wars, when we see the disaster that's going on around the world today, when we see sickness and disease, does the does that mean that, Jesus, that all authority in heaven hasn't been given to Jesus? It's really important that we understand this. Because we have this God who's so incredible, who's so amazing, who's so powerful, that could change everything like a dime, and sometimes in our own lack of wisdom we want him to. He gives freedom for people even to rebel against him knowing that that is going to empower evil in this world. He so loves his children that he doesn't control them. He only wants those in relationship with him that want to be in relationship with him. 
He understands love to be a free choice, a free will, something that must be chosen. And he understands the consequences of what happens when that's not chosen. But he also grasps that we're not living for this world. So even in the mess that this world so often is, for his children, we are not living for this world. We're living in this world for an eternal one, an eternal kingdom. And yet he tells us, because all authority in heaven has been given to him, that we are to bring that kingdom into this world now. That in amongst the chaos around us, that we can live in peace. We can live with his life, his eternal life flowing through us. That it's not that we're waiting for heaven to come, but we can live in the reality of heaven right here, right now. His kingdom come, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Our physical circumstances around us may not reflect that. But his kingdom is not manifest in the physical. It's manifest in the spiritual. It's manifest in our hearts. It's what allows us to have peace amongst turmoil. It allows us to be at peace regardless of what is going on around us, regardless of our circumstances. Whether we have little or much, as Paul wrote, whether I'm rich or poor, well-fed or hungry, whether you had a home or didn't. The secret was Jesus Christ who strengthened him. And that secret is Jesus Christ who strengthens you. Is prosperity bad? No. But it's also to a degree irrelevant. Because to have, to gain the world and lose one's soul Makes no, you know, prosperity, not a bad thing. God doesn't, does God want you to be poor? No. Unless he's asked you to be. We're all individuals. One person he can call and say, listen, I want you to go into this nation. You're going to live in poverty there. And many people are going to come to know me through you. Another person say, you're born into a, you know, into prosperity. Neither one is right or wrong. It really comes down to where your heart is. And this is what matters. Whether I'm rich or poor, that I manifest Jesus in everything that I do. Regardless of, of, of my circumstances, regardless of whether life is going well or not going well, that I recognize it's not about all those things. It's about Jesus. And he has victory. He's already won. I know where I'm going. And I can live at absolute peace in this world because he is my king. And the more I can be surrendered to him, the more I can just live in his will in everything that I do, everything I am, everywhere I'm going. Amen? Justin, if you grab the mic. So he had a testimony, Justin had a testimony that he wanted to share of God working through him. It's a wonderful testimony. So I want to pass it over to Justin for a moment here. Hey guys, what's up again? So I got, I mean, I have a few, but this is just one that I got last night. And um, I was, I met a, I reconnected with a guy through Facebook. And I'd known him many years ago. And I hadn't seen him in many years, but he's like, he's a man of God now. He lives in palliative care. And he has cirrhosis of the liver and some other things that I can't pronounce. And um, he was, he's dying, right? Um, so he just reached out to me. And, and I said, you know what, I don't know, who in here remembers that, that time when I came up here 
and we prayed for that, that other girl that was in palliative care that was waiting for a liver transplant. You, got, you remember that? Yeah. Well, she was set free from that. And, and I just said to the guy, I'm like, you know, I've seen this before. And, you know, we prayed for him. I never even laid hands on him. And he sent me a text message last night saying that he is completely healed of that. Yeah. <clears throat> and he lost 40 pounds. That's awesome. Um, but, you know, I, I want to say this, though, that I had just finished being alone with God and repenting of something when that happened. And God is not looking for somebody who's a superstar. And, and in that moment, I had just finished repenting. I'm like, you know, Lord, um, forgive me for this. Help me to do better. And, and I was in a place of like, you know, I don't want to do that again. And, and then I get this text message saying that. And it humbled me so much. And I just felt the Lord say, but I chose you. Right? Yeah. So the Lord is saying to you guys, I choose you. Say that. I choose. Say, I receive what God says about me. And he says, I choose you. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Hebrews 11 and 12, just wonderful. You actually kind of need to read from 10 through to 12, 13 to get the whole gist of what Paul's writing there. But it's this incredible thing of scripture about faith and about who we are. I'm just reading a tiny little section of it in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. And Hebrews 11, it just lists off all these different things of people that lived by faith, that they didn't, they, they didn't see the, the end result. They've actually been living in difficult circumstances. Some of them were being persecuted. Some of them were killed. But by faith, they, they were following Jesus, even though they didn't know him yet. By faith, they were trusting in the word of God. And, and it's here in Hebrews 12 where it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great crowd, cloud of witnesses, i.e. those people that, you know, that he's just spoken about that had lived by faith, it says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on, on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I'm going to pause there. As we fix our eyes on Jesus and he perfects our faith, when we understand who he is and we understand that it's all about him and it's actually not about us. You know, there wasn't Justin prayed and I, I know Justin and it's not, he, Justin knows it's not about Justin. It's about Jesus and Jesus working through him. And he just surrenders to Jesus and let Jesus work through him. You know, it's like, it's not me, it's Jesus. He fixes his eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus, the author, the, the, the author, pioneer, and perfecter of faith. And it says about Jesus, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And it says in verse 3, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, we can feel that it's hopeless to share Jesus in our society because people don't need him. You know, one of the things about living in the Western world and, is that in most cases, people are quite self-sufficient. They have no need for God. They are gods unto themselves. 
And it's a danger for us as Christians to make sure we're never becoming gods unto ourselves, that we haven't replaced Jesus with whatever program we have or whatever, self, you know, if we're self-sufficient, we can quite go through life without Jesus, even though we say we are his disciples. But even more so, the world, they don't, they don't have a need. But don't grow weary. Don't grow weary of testifying. Don't grow weary because, you know, these apostles, they went to, the people we read about, the people that the word testifies to, they went to people just like the people of the world today. And some rejected them and some accepted. But don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't, for, you know, don't stop. And if you have, if, if to a certain degree, you just go to every day, you go to work, you go to your neighborhood, you go to the mall, and and you've actually just like, I'm just going to live my own life and they can all live their own lives and I just don't want to disturb anybody and I don't want to share about Jesus and I don't want to rock the boat. You can repent of that. And we need to, as Christ's body, repent of that. And go, I can't just keep going through the motions. I can't just live my life, you know, and be happy with what I'm doing and ignoring what's happening around me. I've got to testify about Jesus. I've got to tell people of Jesus. I need to live in a way that my life speaks about Jesus. And where we've grown weary and where we've lost heart, we focus on him, on Jesus, and let that be his light, his life that draws us and gives us the strength and gives us the courage and gives us everything we need to live for him. Amen? One last scripture and we'll wrap up. John 16, verse 13. It says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. We have the Holy Spirit. And this is where the prophetic things that we're doing and the people we're bringing in are so helpful because really the prophetic is about listening to the Holy Spirit. It's about tuning our ears to him letting him speak to us, letting him guide us, him show us things. It's a gift that we all, Paul says in Corinthians, he's like, I wish all of you would prophesy. This is a gift the body needs today. We need to know and hear, it's a gift that we need to stir and into action in our lives and that we need to be aware of and we need to be operating in. Because the people around us, they need us to know what God's saying so we can say it to them. We need to know what God is saying so that we can do effectively what it is that he's asking us to do and have the courage to do it. Because he has the victory. And it is time for his sons and daughters to arise and begin living like Jesus is the victor. Again, remember, the, the apostles, when they were called in, when Jesus' disciples, after he died and rose again, and they're out there preaching the gospel in the cities, and the authorities are bringing them in, and they're saying, you can't do this. You have to stop doing this. You can't speak in the name of Jesus. You can't tell people about Jesus. They didn't go, okay, I've got to stop. God, change their mind. When you change their mind, I'll talk about you again. 
They said, regardless of what you say, regardless of what you're going to do to us, we can do nothing more than talk. We have to do this. We have to testify about Jesus. They weren't super Christians. Because the testimony of all those that followed them was exactly the same. You know, not just the apostles, but regular Christians. They, despite the persecution that was coming at them, they weren't afraid to share the gospel. If there's an area for us to repent in, it's that of changing our mindset, that God changed my thinking, that I would see you as victorious, and I wouldn't be afraid to tell people about Jesus. I wouldn't be afraid to testify about him. We live in a free country where you actually legally can. Those freedoms are eroding daily. Exercise that freedom before there's real trouble. If the church stays silent, it's not political issues we need to be, we need to be vocal on. With all due respect, yeah, we need to ta- testify about Jesus. We need to testify about Jesus. And we need to not uh, be afraid to do so, not be embarrassed to do so. I ask your prayers this week. It's fitting I'm talking on this. I am going to Cuba, uh, not to go and sit on a beach. I won't be anywhere near a beach. Uh, but Steve Wilkins in Ottawa invited me and actually paid for me to come on a trip with him. We are going, I'm going with him and a team of three others from his church or two others from his church and then Yaku from Red Hill who leads Red Hill is coming with us as well. And we are doing training for 80 pastors in Cuba. 80 full-time pastors will be, will, there'll be this team of us training them up for, we'll, we'll leave on Monday night and we do the training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we come back very late or Thursday night, early in the morning on Friday. So just pray, pray for us, pray for protection. It is a communist country and they are open to the gospel, which is wonderful, but you know, they're, they're, they're not shutting things down right now, but there's just always the reality that we're going somewhere where Jesus is not welcome. And so we appreciate your prayers. And I just want to pray for all of us. So if we can just bow our heads. You don't really need to bow your heads. I don't know why I say that. It's so traditional. It's not that bowing your heads makes it that much more spiritual. That's so funny. It's like so many things that we're just kind of trained to do. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Lord, you love these people. Every one of them. And you died for every single one of them. And I talked about setting up that pool earlier, Lord. And I want to I stay true to that. Because I believe that this group of people, every single one of us, we're going to start just having the courage to share the truth about you everywhere we go. To talk about you. To not conform to the patterns of this world any longer, but be, to, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And to have the courage to talk about Jesus and to testify about Jesus and to live for Jesus in all that we do. So Lord, give us that. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you convict our hearts? Would you 
Give us every, where we're lacking faith, we just need to ask and you'll give it. Where we lack wisdom, we ask and you give it. Where we lack courage, we ask and you give it. And so this is not about our effort. It's not about us trying to come up with these things in our own strength. It's actually about us needing the grace from you to live as the children that you've called us to be. And so I ask for that grace for us, Lord. In your name, amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, coffee, cookies, snacks at the back. Have a great week. And, uh, oh yes, of course. Ministry team is over in the corner. If you need prayer, ministry for anything, please go over there. Wonderful people who would love to pray for you. And have a great week.